0: Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Hello, Denise. Hi, Samantha. How are you? I'm doing fine. This is kind of our chatty show, and Denise and I were talking, we get so many emails, day after day after day, basically asking us the same thing. I've just realized I'm an empath, or I've just realized I'm intuitive, or I've just awakened to my spiritual path, now what do I do? And so Denise and I were talking over the weekend and we were like, you know, we should just address this in a show. And it's just sort of a conversational chatty way, not an instructive, here's our research. This is exactly what you should do. But just a conversation about what do you do when you finally realize, hey, I am different and this is how I'm different. It's not bad, but what do I do? What do I do now that I realize I do feel everything more deeply than others? What do I do now that I realize my dreams can be precognitive or the information I'm picking about up about other people really is intuitive, where do I go? How do I dive in for more research?
1: And I think one of the hugest things, I thought about this a lot this weekend, is finding people who understand that. Finding whether it's in an online community, listening to a podcast researching online, finding people in your community. It doesn't matter, but I'm realizing more and more how important it is to have community with people who just get you for who you are. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one to find those people, but also to feel comfortable enough to let them in.
0: It is a hard one, but I do agree. It is a crucial one. You've got to find your spiritual tribe. I remember when I was first kind of waking up to all of this myself, I would go into Barnes & Noble. This was before Amazon and before we really even had metaphysical stores in my town. And I remember in our old Barnes & Noble, the metaphysical section was hidden in the back of the bookstore. And it was right next to self-help. And it was right next to another, I can't remember, but it was just in this weird, strange section that nobody ever wandered to. And (laughs) I can recall feeling awkward even standing in that aisle. Did you ever feel that way? Like, what if I run into someone? I guess, yeah. Well, the section was so small back then, Denise. Oh, it was tiny. It was ridiculous. There was like one shelf and the little sticker underneath said psychic studies. And then the shelf under that was satanic studies. Oh, And I remember thinking, what am I doing? Because I don't want to study that. (laughs) So I reached for the traditional books on psychic ability. And I just remember pulling them out and reading through them and then awkwardly walking up to the cashier and hoping she wouldn't comment on my books. I did go downtown to the main library, our other branches in town. They don't really have very big spiritual sections. I've asked them to expand on it and they just kind of frown at me. But in the big downtown library, they do. And there were old, old, weathered, beaten down books. And I'd pull those out and sheepishly walk up to the librarian and check those out. I read Hans Holzer, all about ghost hunting I read everything I could get my hands on by John Holland and James Von Prague And I read a lot of the English spiritualist books. I just kept reading. And I and I think that's great. It taught me a lot. It gave me a good foundation. It let me know the key definitions and terms. But even then I was like, well, what do I do now? And, and that's when I really started looking for like-minded people. And I, I don't care where you live. I mean, maybe if you're in a big city, that's not hard. But I think in most towns it can be difficult to find your spiritual people,
1: especially if you're trying to balance that with a more what's considered a more traditional life or job or community or whatever. the uh, The other thing with that, though, is that it's you know with the reading, yes, but you're still in your own little world with it, and I think for a lot of people there. I think so many people are waking up, if we want to use that term, to, to who they truly are and to these sensitivities because we agreed to come and do this for the shift we're going into now. I think it's all hands on deck. We're pulling together as a, a comprehensive, we can call ourselves light workers. we can call ourselves healers, we can call ourselves intuitives. It doesn't matter what label you want to put on it but there's something about coming together and raising that vibration to help get through the shift that we're in right now.
0: I agree. And I I think that's a crucial reason why we're getting so many more of those emails now as well. It's a sign that we have maybe pre-selected in our soul plan before we came here to wake up at this time to help shift the world into a higher vibration. And I think... What's really important is communicating with your team on the other side, whether you've met them or not, or know if you've got them or not. If you just reach out to your spiritual team of guides and angels and say, you know, lead me, lead me to the book I need, lead me to the people I need to teach me, to the friends I need to become part of my spiritual tribe, that's going to help tremendously. And follow your gut and your instinct. I remember driving two hours up to a bigger city near me to go to a metaphysical workshop And the minute I walked in, I felt, oh, I don't belong here. And they were talking about all sorts of weird stuff that just really didn't jive with my beliefs. And so I kind of just put that away for a while. And then I heard about a local metaphysical store that had opened a few years before, and they were starting an intuitive development group. And when I walked in, there was a teacher from my school who I knew and adored and admired. And there was a former student of mine who I had become close to. She was wonderful, wonderful young lady. And they both got up and hugged me. And I just remember feeling here, here is where I belong. Mm -hmm. So even if you try a group or a class, and it doesn't really sit well with you, that doesn't mean to stop seeking your people.
1: That is such a good point. Because if you go in, and chances are, if you do this long enough, or you keep exploring this world, you will end up in that situation where you look around and say, what the hell am I doing here? or this doesn't feel right, or I don't understand what they're saying. And there are certain topics for me that I don't, they don't resonate. I don't feel it. I don't believe it. But just if that's someone else's truth, go for it. But it's not mine. But if I find myself in those settings or in those conversations, it it's not going to work. No. And, and thats that's this thing that goes along with You know, we've talked about this a lot. Everyone's talking, it's wanting to be more authentic, step into their authenticity, feeling this urge to be more full and whole. I think this this becoming more in touch with our sensitivities is a part of that. But also don't let someone else who's leading the class or who wrote the book or who is doing the the seminar or or the podcast or whatever it might be. If it doesn't resonate with you, please always remember, it's their truth, not necessarily yours. And walk away. Yes, yes. And I see people are, there's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of unrest. And people are are really, please show me which way to go and give me something to hang on to. But again, I, I think you and I are both on the same page with this if it doesn't feel real and true and genuine, then it do, it's not for you. And that's okay. It's, like, it's similar to, and we've both had this conversation as well. We'll, we'll do readings and they'll say, mm, that wasn't so great. Because you're not going to always resonate with the person doing the reading. You, you, might, you might not. It's hard to say, but there's always someone out there that's going to resonate with you more.
0: Exactly. And so you have to keep seeking on the seeking path until you find the group. And sometimes you'll find the group. Like I found my group at that little metaphysical store. And after about a year, we needed more, more than the teacher could provide us. And that's normal too. You'll outgrow your teachers. You'll outgrow the books you're reading. And we couldn't find the next teacher for us. And so that's when we sent out an email to everyone on the metaphysical store's email list and said, you know, We're forming a group called The Seekers. If you have an interest in, and we listed all the topics, please join us. And we created our own group. I highly recommend that. And you can do that online in these times too. Or if you live in a really small town, you can take online classes and meet people that way and set up groups with them. But you've got to have people that resonate with you, that are interested in the same things as you to help ground you, focus you, and support you because it can't be a very lonely, isolating time to realize that you're waking up to this whole other world you always suspected existed but weren't really sure of. And when you're surrounded by people who are still stuck in their ideology or you know, their own beliefs that are different from yours, it can feel really lonely.
1: Well, I shared with you earlier that I took that training this, this past weekend, and it was the person who was teaching it had my philosophy, and I just was sitting here nodding my head and saying, oh my goodness, someone finally sees this the way I see it, because even though all these years that, and, and you as well, we've done this a long time, we've done gone to a lot of trainings, we've read a lot of books, and then when you... You never know when that person is going to hit the light switch and and be the validation you need to say, I'm okay, and the way I do things is okay. Equally, and I think this is the bridge that a lot of people are struggling with, is, okay, I, I'm feeling more confident with this. I'm I've started taking some classes. I'm getting the validation that I am intuitive or a medium or a sensitive or a healer. What do I do with that? Am I supposed to start a business? Do I leave my job? Do I do a side hustle? And I'll, haven't you found a lot of people are being nudged towards wanting to develop their own, take their spiritual practice and flip it into more of an entrepreneur or a service-based industry? service-based. Yes. And how do you know, am I ready for that? Or obviously there are no guarantees. We both know that. You and I have, have always, always said, make it about service. And that's going to change the whole aspect. Truly, and just my own personal opinion is is starting with a, a side hustle if you're thinking of that, so it doesn't put the pressure on your um, your spirituality. If you can't pay your bills, it that's not going to set you off on a good good step.
0: No, I think you need to go into this slowly and gradually, one step at a time. I do think it's a leap of faith. Oh, without in, a doubt, in terms of. How you do it? I think you do it gradually, so that you are acclimating yourself to this new world and this new way of thinking and understanding and, and honoring yourself and who you truly and authentically are. And you know, and sometimes, if your guides are like mine, they'll have a sense of humor and and they'll do it in interesting ways. I remember I had this dream. I had this dream that I was in this totally empty, huge house, and I was walking through it. And there was a woman in a full habit, you know, like from the old days. Like yeah, yeah. On her, okay. The
1: scary nuns, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, but she was really young, and, and she had long, dark hair, and, and she said her name. And I remember as she said it, thinking, I'll never remember that. And she smiled as though she could hear my thoughts. And she said, you can just call me Sister Veronica. Can you remember that? And I said, yes. And she said, are you willing to work for God and Jesus? And I said, yes, yes, of course. And she nodded and said, good, you'll start in six weeks. And I woke up right away and I, and I looked at the calendar and I'm like, oh my gosh, in six weeks, what's going to happen? In <laughs> <laughs> six weeks, you know, came and went. And during that, that last final six week, there was all talk at the metaphysical store. I was still, you know, going to my weekly development class and everyone was excited because this big time psychic was coming. And she had been a school teacher for years before doing this work full time. And I was so excited. So I signed up to get a reading with her and I thought, this is what the dream was about. She's going to tell me like, you know, exactly what's coming next. So I sat down to have the reading with her and it was the most generic reading. You know, those readings where it could apply to anyone. Yeah. And I, and I got up and I said, thank you. And I said, you didn't mention anything about me being intuitive. Do you, do you see that? no, honey, just focus on your children. Be a mom. Be the mom you came here to be. Wow. Was like, oh, okay. So I, I walked out of the office and I sat down next to the, the then owner of the store and I just kind of slumped. And she said, what's wrong? Did the reading not go well? And I was like, it was all right. I said, but she, she didn't see me doing anything with, with my psychic ability. And that just makes me really sad because I, I really thought that's where I was heading. And she had seen me work in the, in the class and she knew psychometry was my favorite way of working. So she took off her necklace and she goes, that's BS, I've seen you do your stuff. Here, read me, read me right now. And I was like, hell to the no. Like that just scared me uh-huh. <laughs> so bad. And so I said, can I, can I take it home? Can I take this necklace home and meditate on it and, and I'll come back? And she said, sure. So that's what I did. I went home, I meditated with her necklace. I wrote down all these pages of notes and then I went back and I did the reading, literally reading the notes. And she was very impressed and said, you've got a job whenever you want. The back room is yours oh. whenever you want. So the the point of that story is very often you'll think you're being led in this way and you'll think, oh, this is the person who's going to lead me there. And in a way, maybe that per- maybe that no is your yes.
1: That's an excellent point. That is an excellent point because... And, and have you had, and some of the emails you can feel is, but some of the conversations, people who are, I know I am supposed to do this. I know I'm that good. I know I'm ready. Why isn't it working? I think divine timing is part of that as well. So when you brought up the six weeks, there was a shift in six weeks. It wasn't what you expected it to be. But it did allow you to step onto your path with more confidence.
0: Right. And then I I did it just the way you did it though. I did it very part-time. I would oh. just do um I did free practice readings for a year and then I did just on Saturdays or a couple in the evenings because I had to walk carefully into this. It's a very big commitment. It changes your whole life. It really does. And it changes the way people view you. People will label you instantly when they hear that you do this work. Personally, I feel like I get one of three responses. One is usually, "Wow, that's so cool. Read me, read me right now." Which always surprises me, Denise, because like if I ever met an attorney, I wouldn't say, "Oh, that's so cool. Argue something right now. Prove to <laughs> me that you're an attorney." <laughs> right? Or <Are> you right. <laughs> a dentist and be like, "Oh, fix my fix my tooth right now. Show me that you're really a dentist." And yet that's what people tend to do when they hear what you and I do for a living or they'll just kind of raise an eyebrow at you and you know they're silently slapping a label on you that says weirdo or the worst response you'll get is oh you're doing the devil's work you're going to hell
1: Mm -hmm.
0: those are the responses I get how about you well
1: I don't well being in the closet for so many years I didn't get any responses but just since I fully embrace this I want to go back to what you said a minute ago about it becoming a lifestyle, and when you're in the, for again, this is from my own personal experience. I was reading the books, I was watching the stuff. If I had a chance to take a little class or work it, go to the metaph- metaphysical store. That was my happy place to go play with the crystals, to go, you know, look through all the fun juju stuff. And I thought, oh, my God, if I could do this every day, I can't even imagine how happy I'd be. Does that resonate with where you used to be as well? A hundred percent. And then you start doing the readings, and there's this giddy excitement of, oh, my God, people actually want a reading for me, and I'm doing this, and I'm so grateful, and this is incredible. And then it starts to build, and but there, there's this invisible line you step over it feels like, for for many people I've spoken with as well, where you can't turn back and it becomes not only what you do, but who you are in entirety. And it causes a ripple in all aspects of your life. And what I found is so many people who devote to this or who make this a life path, even if they're naturally introverted or private or an ambivert, like from the show we did a long time ago, you tend to get even a little more step back because you need that time to recharge. That constantly being of service to people, it, it's, it's not, I, I don't feel like I'm doing this justice with what I'm saying, but you're making a commitment with your life, not just with what you do for a living to generate income.
0: No, that's a really good point. And the weight and responsibility of doing this work cannot be understated. I have had people come to me and say, if you don't connect with my mom, I'm not going to believe she's safe in heaven. Oh. I mean, that's hard. To to watch a parent crumble and fall apart in grief as you connect them with their child is hard you know, to hold someone's hand as you're trying to help find their Alzheimer's parent who went missing. It's difficult. It's hard stuff. I, I you know, I think you're right. In the beginning it's it's so fun. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can do this. This is amazing. Like there are miracles out there and 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 faith. And, and I don't mean that works.
1: from an ego based either. I mean more no. about I've wanted this so long and I finally get to do it. This is I, I just want more of it. Like you start doing a few readings, like you start like going from zero to 60 with, oh my gosh, if I could do this full time, and then I could do this, and I could do that, and it starts the pinball effect when you start getting in that zone, That's, that can be a good sign that you, this is something you really want to do. Yes, and
0: getting to peek behind that curtain to the other side is such a gift. Being able to see glimpses of how they live over there, it's very humbling.
1: Well, don't don 't you think too though, no matter what what modality if you want to put it under the umbrella of healing or under intuition or under mediumship it doesn 't matter but it 's truly truly about what what brings you where do you feel most like yourself, where is that work for you, and how am I helping how am i what is it that you get really clear? What do you want this to be? And, and be honest with yourself because nobody else has to know is if you want to do this because you want to be seen as, as a, on a, in a public venue, or you want to do it for just financial reward, or you want to do it for, um, you know, accolades, even it, it doesn't just please in your own private thoughts, get really clear. If it's, you want to help people heal from grief. You want to be able to jump down the rabbit hole with learning the Tarot to the point where you can help people find the answers they're looking for. Do you agree with that, that it doesn't matter what it is, but get really clear with yourself on why you want to do this?
0: Yes, you have to know why you want to do this. And if it is for any reason that's different than service, I think think you might be led in a, in a different path that might not be as positive.
1: And it also is going to impact who you attract.
0: Yes. Yes, 100%. Now, I get a lot of emails. I'm sure you do too, Denise, that say, I'm interested in Reiki and crystals and numerology and pendulums. I don't know where to start. I want to learn mm-hmm. it all. Where do I start? And I never know how to answer those emails because that's not for me to say. Right. You know, it's, you have to follow your heart and your interests. Like I love numerology. I find it fascinating to dive into it. And there's so many different types of numerology and they all believe different things. You know, some will say you have to add up the numbers this way. Others say, nope, you have to do it that way. And it can get a little overwhelming. So I like to study it, but I always go back to crystals. And so I think you have to study all of it and then find... Where is your heart constantly calling you?
1: But haven't you found as well that spirit will put, and I always call Reiki the gateway drug because I feel like a lot of people open the door with Reiki and then it, other things come in. Or you know they'll learn a, a form of divination, whether it's cards or runes or whatever that might be. And that's their, their, their gateway drug to open up into this world so it really doesn't matter but i what i have found is and this is so fun to watch is there're always always stepping stones to the next thing and you're building your tools you're building what you're going to use throughout your practice and that's i say this a lot there's no bottom to this there is never you can't do this for 10 20 30 40 years and there's still there's always something new to learn and experience which
0: is so exciting. And something you weren't interested in, you might come back to when you're ready. Right. And I think so, it's important to keep an open mind and heart about that. Years and years ago, someone gave me a little gray velvet bag and a gray book, the, the Rune Set. Do you remember that? It was kind yeah. of a popular gift. years. Okay, And I remember working with them and it did not resonate with me at all. And then when I met Deb, she said the same thing. She was like, I don't like runes. I can't work with them. I don't know what to do with them. And a few years after that, every time I would take a walk or take the dogs out, this happened for about two weeks. I'd look up in the sky and there'd be two white X's. You know how airplanes make yeah, little? Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: And there would be two white X's side by side. And I was like, I know that means something. And so I kept Googling it and I finally discovered it, it was a rune symbol. So I got a book on runes by this man who's considered kind of like the best teacher. And I read it and suddenly I was fascinated by runes and they made sense to me and I really resonated with them. So you don't know, you might find that, Oh, that is not for me. I'm just going to focus on Reiki or numerology. And then the pendulum might call back to you and you study that again. So I, I think it's important to not necessarily ask, where do I start? But to leave yourself open to studying all of it and just pay attention to signs and synchronicities in your heart and where you're feeling pulled to now at this point.
1: And I I want to share two quick little stories that go with that. One thing with my same experience with the runes, it's so strange. I tried so hard to be able to use them. And then one summer, there used to be this place we would go and swim. And on this little rock beach, there were all these tiny not not tiny, but small, perfectly polished, flat, oval stones. And I went up there one day by myself, and I just sat there. And I, you know how when you're um, trying to pick a card, sometimes you'll close your eyes and you'll feel the energy for what card you're supposed to pick up? Yes. I, I did that with the stones, and then I took the stones and I painted the symbol, all the rune symbols on them. And I used them for a while, but they didn't, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm built because you can. You can make your own. You can make your own card. You can do whatever. You can. Denise, make your-
0: I have to interrupt you real quick. Okay. In my kitchen right now, I have a glass vase filled with all the smooth stones I have found at the beach because I'm hoping to have a day off, which I don't think exists anymore, where I can sit down and make my own rune set. That is so
1: <laughs> funny. Oh, uh, and and the other part of the story is I want to go back to the Reiki for a minute. Is you know, I, I wasn't at all making it light of it being a gateway drug, but I feel like it's more mainstream. It's more accepted. More people. But if this is your calling, and I want to just share this quick little story of, uh, and I'm not, I'm going to be cautious not to to break any confidentiality. There's a woman I respect greatly who does Reiki. She sent distance Reiki to an old friend of hers, who had had a stroke and had like something that. The the MRIs the science they couldn't figure it out it was bad. Truly, that healing that she sent made a huge huge difference for this man. So it's real it's true it's and if your calling if your work is working with healing energy or if it's working with divination or if it's working with you know uh, writing creatively that inspires people to find their own it really it doesn't matter because it's going to be yours and it's going to set you on your path.
0: You just have to start somewhere. Yes. And that's, what's important. You can't just talk about it. You can't just read about it. You can't just listen to podcasts. You have to, at some point go out there and meet your people and start practicing whatever it is that you're studying in an environment that is safe and supportive.
1: Okay. But, please try to have a little humility about it, please. Because we all make mistakes. We're all doing the best we can. But remember, if, especially if you're doing service work that is based on giving you know, um, information or hope or possible outcomes or connection with spirit, please make sure you're doing it from a place of heart and humility.
0: Okay, that's so important. But joking in a jokey tone, don't you kind of envy those people who are so confident?
1: I do. I do because it I and I won't share this the story on on the air, but yes, I had a situation recently and it was terrible and it was so off, but the confidence that the person had was I I still shake my head and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't imagine being so sure about something that is absolutely no way in the hell ever going to happen.
0: I know. It's amazing. I, <laughs> I once had a reading with a really, you know, well-known out there intuitive medium. And I thought, you know, why not? Why not just see what these big people are all about? And there was not one thing right. And I remember thinking, oh. dang, is that all just confidence? I don't know. No, it's no one I've ever spoken about. It's none of my, you know. No, no, no. My no, personal but- heroes or mentors, but I do remember thinking that is just a confident person, and there's a part of me that envies that. I've never had that. I've never been confident about this work. Okay, I really but haven't.
1: anyone that I respect, and I'm going to use mediumship as because that's my my default, is they've always said if you're not nervous if you're not a little anxious then you really need to look within and see if you're doing this for the right reason because that but also that confidence having the confidence to know you can succeed if you choose this path is completely different from bulldozing people with what you feel is right and true if it doesn't resonate with them wait say that again so haven't you you need to have some level of confidence to put yourself out there to give it a whirl, to take the leap of faith, to, to even admit out loud to someone, I'm a medium or I'm an intuitive or I, mm. it, you have to have some level of confidence with that. But when it becomes your way is the only way, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier of if you go to a class, a lecture, uh, you read a book and it doesn't feel like it, it's yours, it doesn't resonate with you. That could just be that person's confidence in their belief system. It doesn't have to be yours.
0: I just get nervous when people start calling themselves, I don't know, when they start claiming that they know things that no one else can know.
1: Well, truly, do I think that there are people who are able to um, channel prophecy? Yes. Yes. Do I think that it's a rare and beautiful gift? Yes. Do I think the energy shifting might be opening more people up to that? Yes. Um, I also think if we go back historically, and I heard the coolest thing this weekend. I've been waiting to share this with you. I meant to tell you earlier and the the class I took. And he said, well, think." he, he was referring to people as sensitives. And he said, look back in time the woman who lived on the edge of town by the stream, by herself, and people would go and see her. She's, and he was referring to, he said, so many empathic people, so many sensitive people, they need that quiet space by water. He said, because it's right in, your, it's right in you to, to follow this path. And
0: isn't that fabulous? And that's so true. You need to have that that alone downtime inside your soul to recharge but, your batteries.
1: But what it what what clicked for me was this has always been someone's normal. This has always been there's always we've always been, no matter what lifetime, no matter what time frame you want to go to, we've been there. We've been there as empaths, as sensitives, as mediums, as seers, as prophets, as healers. And if you look at from a historical perspective, it's either been cherished and valued and seen as part of the community or it's been slam that door shut you evil people you're you're all going to hell in a handbasket and now i feel like we're kind of in between both worlds and that's part of this you know people are, and i've said this a lot to people recently i've said it doesn't feel like you're learning this stuff it feels like you're remembering it because i think some of the people that are feeling more more confident or more comfortable with their Intuitive, their inner knowing, their sensitivities—however we want to label it—it's a coming back to their true self, and there's a comfort in that.
0: There is, and one of my hopes is that this becomes even more normalized. You know, like poor Denise. I just listened to this book called *The Anti-Career* by Rick Jarrow, and I've been telling her about it—you know, kind of nonstop.
1: Yeah, we're going to read it though. We're going to talk about it on the show later. Yeah, I hope. I hope so. It's so. (laughs) He tells
0: this story about this young woman who grew up to become really successful. But when she was a kid, you know, and the teacher would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all the kids would be like, doctor, lawyer, firefighter. And she said, hairdresser. And the teacher stopped and looked at her and said, really? And so, you know, the whole chapter was about how you should never define children that way, that you should allow them to just be whoever they want to be. And and as I was reading that, I thought, I wonder if we'll ever see the day when a child can raise her hand or his hand in first grade and say, when I grow up, I want to be a medium or I want to be a healer.
1: Do you think we'll ever see that? I do. I I do because we're seeing things now that there's no way we would have ever believed would be happening and they're happening. So that's not a magic wand wish. That could really be.
0: I think that would be wonderful to give people permission to just really embark and, uh, into the spiritual world because you all know me. I, I love my Catholic faith. I disagree with a lot of it, a lot, but I enjoy the ritual. I enjoy the continuity of it. I feel very comforted that no matter what town or city or state or country I'm in, the mass is the same. That all has brought me a lot of comfort. I don't know where I would be in my life without Mother Mary and the angels and the saints. I love all of that. But diving into this world of spirituality and intuition and really learning to honor my voice inside of myself has given me so much more than my traditional faith ever could have. And I really wish everyone could have that, that experience of, I'm okay. I'm connected. I know who I am. I know what I believe in. I know why I'm here.
1: I love that. I absolutely love that. And, it, and it's also, that's the stepping off point of I think what we're all looking for with opening up to this is it brings you back to who you really are and what you came here to do. Exactly. And, and it might know, be simple. It might not be over the top. It doesn't have to be that you, know, you strive and push and make this your career or you have to like, leave any aspects of your life to fully jump into this other lifestyle. You can if you want, but it doesn't mean it has to happen that way. You get to design this any way you want it to be.
0: You know, that's probably one of the main questions I get in readings is what is my sole purpose? And so often when I tune in to get that answer, and now I I try not to, I try not to give that answer because I really think it's something people should discover on their own. Mm -hmm. But so often the answer isn't, oh, you're here to write the next best-selling book. You're here to be the next big spiritual teacher. You're here to teach a new healing modality so often the answer is you're here to learn how to love and accept yourself for who you are. Right. And so our purpose doesn't have to be this big defining idea that has been manufactured for us around what success is. Our, our purpose can be what society might define as little, when really it's the biggest thing we can do.
1: Very well stated. And important especially as you know, we don't know the rules right now. We don't know. All we can do is be present and find that level of self-acceptance and our own truth to say, this is what I need to do and this is how I can help.
0: And so if you are waking up and you are starting to think, all right, what do I do now? I think the first thing you should do is honor that, honor that awakening and just pay attention and honor your body and your emotions and your feelings and trust yourself. So if you wake up one day and you feel sad for no reason, don't try to push that sadness down. I know I've, I've spent years trying to do that. Oh, don't, don't be sad. Everything's fine. I think your, our body, our inner self always knows. And so if you wake up one day and you're feeling sad, feel that sadness. Give yourself permission to be sad that day. If you wake up and you feel angry or frustrated or just stuck at wherever you are in your life, allow yourself to feel that way. Something that I do, Denise, is I kind of give the people in my life a warning. Mm -hmm. Like I'll say, I'm kind of having a blue day today, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, so many people, especially here in America, there's an expectation that we have to always be happy and on. You know, like, I don't, I'm not saying I have RBF, you know, resting bitch face, but I don't walk around. I do. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I don't walk around with a smile on my face. I really don't. I'm always deep in thought. I'm always, my mind's always going. And so often I'll just be walking, you know, through the halls of my old classroom or, you know in in a store or wherever and people will say put a smile on your face and i feel like saying f you like just let me be who i am and yet we feel so much pressure to always be this you know sunshiny whatever part of waking up to your spirituality is owning all sides of you the sad side of you the angry side of you the bitter side of you the the shameful the guilty the unforgiving side of you you have to you have to spend some time sitting with all of those emotions and then the happy side and the excited side and the hopeful and the dreaming side and all of the good parts. But I do think, especially for empaths, we have to learn to own our own emotions. Only then can we learn to truly discern which emotions are ours and which emotions are someone else's.
1: And I want to add one more little bit to all of this is there are so many incredible, genuine, dedicated people who we need you, we need you to step up, we need you to help right now. Please, please don't not step up because you feel like, well, there's already so many people that do this work or who's going to listen to me? You don't know. You really don't know. And if you're coming from a place of truth and service, spirit will help you do this. There's more than enough to go around. So please don't not shine your light because you're convinced that what you have to offer might not be enough because it's yours and nobody else can replicate that.
0: Well, that reminds me of two little quotes I'd like to share as we wrap up. One is by Vincent Van Gogh. And he says, What I am in the eyes of most people, a non-entity, an eccentric, or an unpleasant person, Somebody who has no position in society and will never have. In short, the lowest of the low. All right, then. Even if that were absolutely true, then I should like to show by my work what such an eccentric, such a nobody has in his heart. And I just, I don't know, I just love that because even if you feel as though you don't have anything to share right now as you're waking up to your spiritual path and who you really are, you do you do you do have something to share you do have a way to shine your light and help others walk this path and and i think we need to be mindful of that always especially in those dark nights of the soul when doubt hits in and and that little voice starts shouting who are you who are you to think you can do this who are you to think you have anything to say i think we need to remember that we all have something to say and so this last one I'll read is a poem that I write all the time. I use it in cards to people all the time because I just think it's really important. It's anonymous, so I can't quote an author. But she, she or he says, We are born into the world like a blank canvas. And every person that crosses our path takes up the brush and makes their mark upon our surface. So it is that we develop. But we must realize there comes a day that we must take up the brush and finish the work, for only we can determine if we are to be just another painting or a masterpiece.
1: Oh, oh that's lovely.
0: I love that because it does show that everyone we meet in our life impacts us, for good and for bad, and, and overall I think for good, because I think even the negative people we meet are teachers in our lives. But at the end of the day, it's up to us. We can't look to leaders or teachers or uh, quote-unquote gurus or books, authors, any of those labels you want to tack on people to show us the way. We have to find our way. We have to look within ourselves and truly discover why we're here and and what we are supposed to do with the gifts we hold inside our
1: heart. Exactly. And your... Your little light bite, bright peg that you're putting into the collective shines just as bright as anybody else's and you don't know. You never ever know the impact you're having with what you came here to do which is a beautiful, beautiful part of this whole mystery. Um,
0: but Isn't that something you've seen in readings, Denise? I see that a lot where people yep. will say I didn't know until I had my life review the impact
1: I made. Right, right. You, you, we don't ever know and I think that's similar to being not able to read people that you love is because there's, there have to be some disclaimers in all of this. The other thing is if you're feeling like no one really understands who you are, the way you're wired, or you don't have a community that you feel comfortable with, please, please don't give up because they are out there. They really are. And the day will come and you'll meet someone and have a conversation And it's like going home because they understand your truth, because it's their truth as well. And that's the beauty of this work.
0: So keep seeking, everybody. And as always, show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.